One of my favorite songs proclaims, All of my life in every season, you are still God. I have a reason to sing, I have a reason to worship. And remembering this truth that because God is God, there is always reason to rejoice is a discipline in and of itself. In the book of Job, chapter 1, verse 21, is a verse which I think we all know well. Quote, the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord, end quote. And I will assume that all my listeners are familiar with the book of Job, familiar with all that he suffered and also his steadfastness of faith throughout his refusal to curse God or to despair of God's goodness. What an example that is for us when Job says, blessed be the name of the Lord. And he says this after he has lost everything, after he has lost his livelihood, his family, his home after he has been thoroughly beggared by the devil, whom God, as we know, has permitted to tempt and challenge the steadfastness of Job by heaping these terrible trials upon him. Now, as we go go on, we do see that Job is struggling. It's not that he doesn't struggle. Uh, This particular verse is very early still in the book of Job, and we do see that by the end of the book, Job has to repent of certain things that he said in his weariness and his misery. But I'd like to focus on this initial response from Job. The man just got hit by a bus, and right now he's still blessing God. It's very off-putting when someone says that they're grateful to God for something and then proceed to complain about that very thing that they're supposedly grateful for. Job is grateful for his life. But we see his struggles beginning when he starts to resent that he was born, that he was chosen to bear such sufferings, which were not the consequences of sin. So an example in modern times might be someone who declares that they're grateful to God for the roof over their heads, grateful to not be homeless, and then proceeds to detail for you how God could have done so much better by them because the house is crammed and everyone is sleeping on top of each other and it's filthy and they might as well be on the streets. This is where I see struggles beginning when the complaining starts. Now I do want to say, of course, that it is very common for women to talk with other women about those things with which they are struggling. And that's perfectly fine and very healthy. When women are able to come together and support each other and hold each other up in their crosses as wives, it's a beautiful thing. Talking about your struggles isn't automatically complaining. Um, mothers in groups of kids with mental health struggles and special needs, you know, are a really good example. They really need to talk about all the nitty gritty details of what they're going through in the process of seeking help and support and figuring out how to best serve their child. So that's not complaining. I want to be clear. I'm not saying that holiness is pretending that everything in your life is sunshine and daisies. It is a wonderful thing when women are able to support each other in those areas of struggle. So in listening to this particular episode, do not make the mistake of supposing that I'm proposing that we all just need to zip it and pretend that the world is perfect. That's not what I'm saying at all. Complaining, let's qualify it. 
um, is when a a person just wants to air all of their hardship in in great detail b they want everyone to know that none of that hardship is their fault c they do have someone in mind who is responsible for their hardship d they want everyone to know exactly whose fault it is that they're going through all this sucky stuff and e they are not open to solutions at all so with these qualifications in mind i'll repeat my earlier statement complaining is where i see unnecessary struggles beginning it's not that they shouldn't do anything to better their situation you know if you've got five people sleeping in one room it's not sinful to work hard and earn and be able to afford and maintain a situation which suits your legitimate needs and working through a difficult situation is certainly a means of coming closer to god but complaining and expressions of authentically profound gratitude do not coexist. Focusing on authentic gratitude and refraining from complaints does not nullify one's legitimate needs. But if there is something to be done about any situation so that one's legitimate needs are met, interestingly, complaining is what makes that struggle seem overly burdensome to the individual. I know, have you noticed that of all the saints in their times of greatest trial, it is said consistently about each and every one of them that they did not complain? If you want a very recent example of this, look up Blessed Chiara Badano. She died from cancer in 1990, shortly before her 19th birthday. And it's not that she never spoke about her suffering. She didn't complain about her suffering. She spoke of it. There are recordings available. She did not complain. Complaining about a blessing, and everything good is a blessing which comes from God, complaining about a blessing does not indicate that one is at all disposed to receive something better. Complaining doesn't do anything. It doesn't accomplish anything, ever. If there's a situation or a circumstance that can be bettered, complaining isn't going to do a darn thing. It's a complete waste of time. It actually demotivates us with regards to any efforts required to attain something better. So in short, complaining is always destructive. Complaining is never constructive. That being authentically grateful cannot coexist with complaining is not only applicable to our attitude towards and relationship with God. This is true of any situation and any relationship with any individual. When St. Teresa of Avila says, quote, Christ has no body now but yours, no hands, no feet on earth but yours, end quote, we need to remember in all humility that this is true of everyone else around us. That as much as we are called to image Christ to others, we are called to see Christ in others. That God uses others to shower us with his blessings.
Just as, as it is off-putting to hear someone say that they are grateful for some blessing of God and then proceed to complain about it, it is confusing <laughs> and miserable to hear a woman say something like, well, of course I'm grateful for my husband. I just hate it when he does this and that and he drives me crazy with so-and-so and he really needs to change here and there and our marriage would be so much better if he would just step up in here and here and on and on and on they go about their husband's faults. And then when encouraged to foster an attitude of gratitude, they snap back that they are grateful, but that their husband really is a problem. I understand that your husband is not a saint because no man is. And that your husband can improve in many ways, of course, as we all can. But just as focusing on gratitude for God's blessings doesn't nullify your legitimate needs, choosing to not complain about your husband's faults doesn't mean pretending that he's a living saint. It's just that there's nothing to be gained by complaining. <laughs> Going back to episode two and helping our husband towards sainthood, we can only propose not impose. We can only inspire. We cannot coerce. Complaining specifically is something which puts a pressure on a husband that only pushes him further away from both his complaining wife and from God towards whom she has vowed to bring him. To newlyweds, Pope Pius XII says, quote, if as strong and trusting Christians, you will accept afflictions, too, as coming from the hands of God, to perfect our virtue. These trials, instead of inciting reproach, complaints, discord, and dissension, as unhappily occurs so often, will draw your hearts even closer together and will strengthen your love in sorrow, for love does not live without grief." End quote. The Pope does not deny the existence of grief. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of grief in marriage, but complaining does nothing for that marriage, and it is most certainly a demonstration of joylessness, an absence of the Spirit of Christ. It is not Christ's Spirit which prompts you to complain. So this third avenue in developing a discipline of joy has everything to do with cultivating a culture of gratitude in your home. And what is expressing gratitude but rejoicing? Expressing gratitude is taking stock of one's blessings and deliberately, actively entering into the joy of being blessed of being the recipient of God's blessings. There are, of course, many different ways to cultivate a spirit and a culture of gratitude, and some may need more guidance than others. For my part, I'm here hoping to lay out a game plan for those of you who are really <laughs> struggling with gratitude. And just as I shared some warning signs that I think are common to those struggling with those reaching for rest, 
as a means of building up a spirit of joy. Here are some warning signs which I believe are common to those struggling to reach for gratitude in their marriage. Number one, your husband's faults are constantly in the forefront of your mind. They occupy your thoughts more consistently than his good qualities. Number two, when you're angry, nothing your husband does is good enough. Even if he is trying to do things to pacify you, you cannot bring yourself to thank him. Your thought is that it's his fault that you're in a bad mood in the first place and it's right for him to do anything and everything without being thanked. Number three, you can count on one hand the number of times you thanked your husband aloud for something in the past week. Number four, you have a really hard time in general saying thank you to your husband, especially because you feel unappreciated and you want him to do the work of expressing appreciation for you first before you follow suit. And number five, you get offended when challenged to consider, to meditate on, and or more consistently express gratitude for your husband. So for those of you who are exhibiting any of those warning signs, and again, I've been right there with you, what I'm going to be taking the time to outline now is the very first week of a month long gratitude challenge with day-by-day guidelines and I have made this challenge super approachable from the outset remembering how difficult it was for me to begin to cultivate a spirit of gratitude as part of my discipline of joy so if it seems ridiculously easy even for those of you who are thoroughly offended by the idea that you should be doing any work towards cultivating this spirit without your husband going first you know bear with me If it's so easy, then what'll it cost you to try it? You know, if it's that easy, it'll take two minutes of your day. What have you got to lose? You will find these guidelines posted on our blog and Facebook page, so you don't need to write anything down right this second. Here are the prompts for week one. For day one, write down one thing, just one, one thing, that you're grateful that your husband is. We're starting small, just a word or a very short phrase. Are you grateful that he's funny, cheerful, hardworking, handsome? We're starting out super easy. Just one thing. You can do that. Write it down. We'll be coming back to that. For day two, can you write down two more things that you're grateful that your husband is? Again, just one word or a short phrase for each will do. Just two more things today. For day three, you guessed it, write down three more things that you're grateful that your husband is. So far, so good, right, ladies? Super easy. Um, The prompt for day four is we're going to shake things up. You're going to take the word or short phrase that you wrote down on day one, and you're going to answer the question, so what? So, for example, if you wrote down that your husband is hardworking, well, so what if he's hardworking? <laughs> You're probably not the only person who has noticed that. Maybe it's easy enough for his parents or his boss or coworkers to say the same. Why does it matter to you? 
Ah, my husband is hardworking, so what? So, because my husband is hardworking, never a day in our marriage have we been entirely without food to eat. Hmm. Okay, so day four, take that one word or short phrase from day one and just give one response to the question, so what? For day five, you're going to give a second response to the question, so what, with regards to the one word that you wrote down on day one. You're also going to pick from the two words you wrote down on day two and give one response to the question, so what, regarding that word. So day five, two responses to the question, so what, one response for your word from day one and one response for something that you jotted down on day two. On day six, answer the question, so what, five times for any combination of the words you wrote down in the first three days of the challenge. So you could choose to focus on one, you could pick out five different words to focus on, whatever works for you. And finally on day seven, choose one word from the six words that you wrote down last week. Give three new responses to the question, so what, about that word. You're going to read your responses aloud to yourself and then offer an Our Father, meditating carefully on the words, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. With this prompt on day seven, we're trying to acknowledge that the longer that you have been married, the more likely it is that your husband has done something which has hurt you in some way, whether big or small. And in participating in this 30-day challenge, we want to honor you for making a valiant effort to focus on gratitude. Don't be afraid to ask God to help you channel that grace that will undoubtedly come with authentic gratitude into true, unconditional forgiveness for your spouse. And there is the first week of the challenge. Again, there will be daily prompts, which will continue for 30 days. And the, those will be available on our blog and our Facebook page. So check those out and join in. And I hope that what you'll find if you participate in and complete this month-long challenge is that the more that you focus on gratitude, the more gentle and patient and joy-filled you will be. Thank you so much for joining us. You can find all the quotes and resources referenced in today's episode on our website. We'd love to hear from you. And we're looking forward to having you with us again next week on the Will to Wife podcast. Thank you.